0: This is Coda Radio, episode 146 for March 23rd, 2015. Everyone and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as as your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us from the East Coast is the always excellent and quite caffeinated Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael.
1: Hello Wisconsin. Oh, I'm sorry, Wait, Washington. What? No, yes.
0: No, th- you might not know this, but I believe we are actually reaching a global audience these days. It's new.
1: What? Yeah.
0: I think they got TCP IP set up across the ocean.
1: Well, you know, you know how I feel about globalization, Chris. I mean,
0: it's the end. It's the end. Yep. Once once you have freedom free access to information and exchange of ideas, everything's going to change. Everything, everything will be different once oh. that happens. Mark my words.
1: Mark my words. I hate freedom. You know that.
0: Ah, well, it's all it's all coming like a like a hose because of information exchange, and that's why today on the very important 146, everyone knows. I'm sure I don't have to repeat to the audience, but everybody knows that uh, 146, the 146 episode of a show, that's the most important run. That's the lucky number. That's the that's the that's the, that's the boom. That's it right there. Yep. Bring the bell, ladies and gentlemen, 146 is here. It's long, it's a production thing, if you're not familiar with it, I'm sure, just chalk it off to that. Anyways, to celebrate this milestone of reaching 146 episodes, the most important production episode ever, because uh, it, it's just a thing, uh, we decided we'd bring on our Mumble Room, so uh, hey, time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room, and welcome to the Coda Radio Program. Hello. 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 Hey, guys. Hello. So we have a Mike has assembled uh, in front of us today a docket of excellent topics that uh, I believe will be in your wheelhouse as if he had some sort of forethought and some sort of prescient knowledge of your presence. Mike, is that the case?
1: I had no knowledge. I was actually just channeling uh, Richard Stallman for yeah. these topics. Yeah, I actually, As I often do, every Monday morning.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we totally forgot yeah. to mention it on the last couple of episodes that we were planning to do a call-in episode today uh, because what we are
1: is um,
0: small-minded and uh, weak-minded. And uh, mm-hmm. and also, you might say weak uh, constitutions.
1: You know, it's funny; they're they're never the droids I'm looking for. Never, ever. Uh, all right. Like, no, nope. we
0: got to start with. Uh, we have an email here from uh, Rick H, and Rick H writes into the Coda Radio program, and he says, "Mike, your talk on Coda Radio episode 145 last week it really struck a nerve with me. I'm ra- I'm rounding out my last year in computer science in my university until this date." I still hate coding applications in Java for Android. Scala has helped, but still, it's a pain dealing with all of the XML. Why so much hate for HTML5 applications? Some exciting things are happening in this space. Phones are improving, and so are libraries. I did a talk about Iconic last week here for a code camp, and I might be a little biased as you are towards native development. I would highly suggest you take a look at HTML5. For anyone interested, he has a slideshow about it that he did. Best regards, Rick. So, Mr. Dominic, how dare you?
1: Yeah, so so it's not that much hate, right? It's kind of like the Xamarin thing. I don't necessarily hate Xamarin, except of course for I do. And um, I just feel like the HTML5, at least for mobile, is more for the line of business application, not for your commercial uh, consumer application. That's all. Everything has its, you know, niche.
0: I'll give you I'll give you an example of what I think is a it is a small market, something one one developer could create and sell to a couple of businesses. And that would make perfect sense as HTML5 over a native application. And let's say you run a clinic and you have booking that you do through your website. And over the last five years, you have noticed that now the vast majority of your patients are visiting your website on their phone instead of their computer. And you you now are faced with the problem of trying to take your old website and either completely redesign it to be mobile-friendly... Or just create an Android application, go create an iOS application, publish it in their respective stores, and call it good. That would be ridiculous. That would be such a waste of time. It is so obviously a great application for an HTML5 app that takes care of the web need because you still have desktop visitors, takes care of the mobile need, and it doesn't have to be like some big enterprise, um, you know, Oracle-grade application. It could just be something for one doctor at one office. And I think that's a perfect application for HTML5. Does anybody disagree? I mean, because to Mike, I don't know. You make it sound like HTML5 is only good for large-scale enterprise internal deployments where they don't care if it's VB. It's like the new VB is the way you kind of make it sound, I think.
1: You know, I, I don't mean to make it sound like the new VB. I, I, think, you know, I think the scenario you laid out does make sense for HTML5. I, I guess my point is I don't think HTML5 is going to eat the world just yet, <laughs> yeah. if at all.
0: Hmm. Maybe a certain category of applications. Mumble, uh, Mumble, Room. anybody have any strong opinions on HTML5? I I mean, as a Linux user, I was sort of hoping we'd we'd be a little bit further along at this point.
2: Well, HTML5 is going to totally be a a bigger play than it is now, uh, especially with Ubuntu Touch using HTML5 and Firefox OS using HTML5. And if you build an app, you can have them working on that, and plus Android and iOS... It's but definitely going to be. What a gives? You, you play say
0: you sound I, you, I, you sound so confident in that that I almost got to question what gives you that level of confidence because we haven't seen that really play out yet.
2: Because one of the things is YouTube's going to HTML5. Netflix is going to HTML5, which provides m- multiple platforms the ability to use those services. Hmm.
0: Okay.
2: And without having to, to like, and for example, with the Firefox OS and Ubuntu touch, you don't have the option other, other than HTML5. So, I mean, Ubuntu touch does have the option for other things, but it, the, having the ability to use Netflix and uh, just much more easily in the future, it's going to be a bigger play than it is now. Mm. It's still, it's still a very viable option for you know using the what your example of a website that needs to have a mobile version, but it's in the future, it's going to be even bigger than that.
0: Uh, P.T. Dave, uh, what do you think about the uh, uh, idea that uh, it may be in Apple and Google's better interest to not have too many HTML5 applications? Maybe it's better for them to have you sell it through the Play Store.
3: I kind of feel like anything HTML5 just really doesn't have the backing technology-wise. Like, next or any of the uh, um, native apps just run so much better and trying to develop anything on uh html5 right now is just a mess i feel like
0: right so you have you it is a bit of a mess it's still a very movable flexible space that's for sure moving in flexible space and i also feel like some of the people that operate these platforms it it, their actions speak louder than their words and their actions so far have been to develop pretty kick-ass mobile web browsers so i got to give both google apple and even microsoft credit to that they've their actions so far in this category say that they're okay with web applications. In fact, in Lollipop, I don't even really like it, but like tabs are even now promoted to the level of running applications in your task switcher. I mean, they're, they're pretty all in. But I just got to say, at the end of the day, they make money on apps that sell. And when you do in-app purchases and you put things through the Play Store, that makes you need the Play services, which gives Google power over the OEM. So it is really good for them to have stuff in the Play Store. Uh, so you would think that the person that owns the platform, when they have such an incentive around having things in the Play Store, it's not their number one top priority to give web apps the best chance. But so far, it doesn't seem like they've really gone too far to stop it. So that's. Well, they we- also
2: have the benefit of wrappers. Uh, There's like small 5 wrappers like PhoneGap and stuff like that.
0: Oh, yes. Benefits? You said benefit? Is that what you said? Benefit?
2: Benefits. <laughs> benefits for the developer to make it easier for them to do an HTML5 yeah. app, but benefit to Google that it's an it's becomes a play an, an an app in the Play Store.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a benefit to uh, to the developer, and it's a benefit to Google. That's for sure. That's who it's a benefit to. <laughs>
2: I didn't say it's the greatest option. I'm just saying that's. It, I guess it's a benefit of phone gap too
0: because they're making money.
2: <laughs> right. Well, they, well, I'm just saying there's more. There's more than just phone gap. There's many rappers. But yeah, the, the yeah. idea that they don't they need something in the Play Store. I mean, the rappers allow them to have that.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and you so could always question. D- What's that?
4: Can I ask a question? Yes. Okay, so if you use HTML5 for mobile applications and so on. So what kind of an app can you even make out of HTML5? So this application would be only some kind of a front-end for some kind of a special back-end. So you would make something, let's say, in PHP on your server, and you will use HTML, HTML5 as a front-end, and you would just call and render Results and functions that yeah. you called on the yeah. on the backend, and that's all. Yeah, in general. Yeah. So you couldn't you couldn't make an application that uses uh, some kind of a for if loop uh, sockets uh, TCP or something more advanced that you would make in a native development language right. for mobile applications using Java or something or Eclipse or some kind of a IDE, and, that, and that's all. That yeah. really seems there like the ACRs. way to go, huh?
0: Yeah, that really is the way. That's the direction of things yeah. is. The, the HTML5 web application is really a client to, some, to the back end, which you could then write any, you could write any native front end to that back end client or server.
3: Thank you. I always feel like there needs to be more of a communication between your front end to the, the actual browser. So that, say I want to render a specific application window, just a modal window somewhere. Maybe it pulls a the theme off of my desktop and renders some customizations on top of that so that everything stays the same.
0: Yeah. GTK Mm. kind of promised that in a way, right? Uh, And uh, Mozilla tried to do that too. Um, But it just never really kind of works, does it? It just never works.
1: So there there is one um, interesting thing that no one on the HTML5 side brought up. It's something that I've been very interested in recently. Using mostly native apps, but rendering certain pages as HTML... For the for the simple reason of if that page might be in flux or might need to change, right. you just can't afford to wait two to three weeks for Apple to review it. Right. You just can't. You need to be able to get pushed to your Doku instance hosted on Dio, of course. Um of course. And, and get that update in. In fact, we I uh, recently had to do something like this just because you you just can't, right? You can't have something in production that needs to change for whatever reason. And it could be a bug. Did you hear it could about be a business Uber? reason?
0: So the, there's a, there, was no, an iOS, the there was an iOS developer that uh, he discovered that if he captured the, uh, the, the packets being sent from an iOS device running the Uber app, and then he used, I forget the tool, we talked about it in TechSnap, but he, there is an iOS uh, development tool that you use that can uh, intercept SSL-encrypted traffic and use a self-signed certificate to decrypt it so you can view the packets to do troubleshooting. Uh, and I'm blanking on the name, but we talked about it a few weeks ago. And what he SSL-strip. Uh, it might have been that I thought I had like a cat name, but uh, yeah, like it was some it was a Mac OS X like app specifically for doing this kind of work. And uh, he discovered watching the Uber app that if you just like. F- if you just send back a few packets with variable equals yes, you unlock a ton of stuff in the app UI where you can change real-time pricing, you can change the menu themes, you can make it more accustomed to a specific region of the world, you can add temporary features, you can, you can even turn on kitty delivery, seriously, cat delivery in the Uber app. Like All of this functionality is all buried inside the Uber app that they remotely turn on by sending flags over the network to the app. So when you launch the app and it's communicating with the server, when the, when the server responds with this parameter equals yes, that feature just shows up in the app automatically. They're not having to go through the app store every time they want to right. push a new feature. That's all in there, and they just turn it on remotely, and they can even add stuff. It's crazy. Really impressed. I, the TechSnap explanation of it was really uh, something, something to be seen. The problem was the way they were implementing it was it was really not that difficult to turn those features on. So you've got to be careful how you do that because users will find that stuff sometimes. Uh, and you're right. It is the new way because of the app – really because of the App Store problem because you can't deliver directly to your users. Right. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. Anything else? No? All right. We got uh, – we have uh, another email to get into. Uh, but, uh, you know, I might just take a moment right here and uh, – oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This one's about me too. And actually – this kind of fits this is actually the, the the perfect sponsor right now let's go over to linuxacademy.com dot com slash coders everybody go there won't you help support the uh, linux uh i'm Linux Academy. Well, you would be supporting Linux Academy. Also, the Coder Radio program, but going to that URL, linuxacademy.com slash coders. uh, That lets them know you heard about it here on the show. So why Linux Academy? Why would you want to go there? And why, why, why is it perfect for you? I'll tell you why. Linux Academy is set up by people that truly understand and know this stuff. They live it. They breathe it. And that makes the difference. That closes the gap. That uncanny valley that all these other online tutorial sites have where they don't truly eat, breathe, live the material, you get stuck in that. And it's not very satisfying. When you're in the space of somebody who's listening to the Coder Radio program and other Jupyter Broadcasting programs, you want it. You, you can tell the difference between people that are genuinely passionate and knowledgeable about the material. That's what Linux Academy is all about. So with that as their background, they set up tons of coursewares on material that are extremely relevant to our audience. You can choose from 7 Plus Linux distributions. They'll customize the courseware to match those distributions. They have great courseware on the AWS setup as well. So if you need to go get some practical hands-on lab experience with AWS, they've got courses on OpenStack and Docker and... Vagrant, and of course, Android development, Ruby development, Python, all of it. They have so many labs. They're constantly adding new stuff. In fact, I got a note here from uh, Anthony, who operates Linux Academy. He says on April 16th, they're going to do a major, major content edition, one of their biggest ones yet. They're going to do it live April 16th at 9 p.m. Central. It's coming up pretty soon. Uh, And it's really neat uh, to to see all the new stuff coming up. The instructor help is really great, too, with the live streams. You can just ask questions right to the educators. And you're always going to see in the community people that are sort of celebrating the next level they've broken in through, either getting a certification or pushing through a new level in Linux Academy. And when you log into their dashboard... Everywhere you need to go next is very apparent. It's very clear. These are the next steps. This is how much time I have coming up. Oh, I don't have very much time this week, Linux Academy, so I go and I set up one of my learning plans. I tell it how much time I have available. It automatically creates courseware to match that availability. will send me reminders to, to, you know, quiz, to test up for the quiz. It's really sweet. And I feel like when something new comes out now, I can really go get a hands-on, deep understanding of it. Uh, and I really, really like the fact that so much of the content I can take with me when I step away from the computer, too which is really nice. I mean, if you're a podcast listener, you already get the value of kind of being a little more productive where you're out either doing something and listening to something that is of an interest to you where you can kind of think about it and use sometimes downtime of like doing chores or exercise or walking or driving sort of productively, right? Linux Academy can help you take that even to a whole nother level. And it's worth checking them out. Go over to linuxacademy.com coders. You get our special Coder Radio discount. Start learning right now. And stick around for their big announcement on the 16th. linuxacademy.com. Slash Coders and a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. You guys kicking butt! So we got a message in from the subreddit from uh, Code Carnage, and uh, he wants an update on my Python journey. He says also a couple of suggestions related. He says it would be good to hear uh, from Brandon Rhodes, perhaps. Uh, he's the former member of the Python Software Foundation. Uh, Jessica McKellar. Uh, the current director of Python Software Foundation That would be a great one for Women's Tech Radio And then he submitted along Something that I hadn't even thought of until now This is super cool There's also a Puget Sound Python users group That could be of interest And that I really liked so it's, And he linked it to There's also one for uh, PyLadies too uh, So uh, this looks really Really cool Like Something I'm definitely going to be checking out um, So an update on my Python status well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I took on two things at once at the wrong time. And that was one, I decided to try to get some of my health stuff figured out because I'm just getting so exhausted at night that it's starting to make it hard to do like the show. Like, well, I really only have one show in the evening. But by the time I get on air to do that show, I'm so tired. I can I can I can barely do the show. Uh, and so my stamina is just way way down. And Sundays I'm completely worn out. I'm trying to get my stamina. So I'm trying to get my health in order. I've been talking about that on Tech Talk today. If you're curious at all, which you're probably not. Uh, but so that was number one job that sort of consumed me more than I thought. And the number two job that I took on because of the time of year it is is Linux Fest Northwest. Which just sort of getting all of that together. I hope I'm about to enter a phase where it's not so crazy. Like I think I just got a lot of the crazy stuff done, and I think now we're getting flights booked, and we're kind of getting to the point where it's. Lined up, but getting everything lined up so that way you know everything was ready to go. And I had I had you know to work with the the the, 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 the lug up there that's putting the fest on, and just all this. It has been a full time job getting ready for Linux Fest Northwest. It's going to be our biggest fest ever, and we really go all out. And so that combined with me also working on my health, uh, but also still trying to keep uh, work and uh, family balance has meant that i sort of put the Python stuff on hold, probably until after April. And then I'll be done with Linux Fest Northwest. I'll have this huge chunk of time freed up, and I can just dedicate some of that to the Python stuff, which I am excited about. So it's not a very exciting update because I realized that if I started it now, I'd be so stressed out that I would be fighting it the whole time. So I thought, you know what? I know myself well enough. I probably should have just said anything on air if I would have really been thinking about Linux Fest Northwest. But, like I stated earlier, I have a weak constitution. I am not a smart man. I have a weak mind, and I forget things quickly. So, instead of... Instead of having like the like uh, like uh, you know you know like I sometimes I watch like these companies and they can make these moves where they're thinking like three four years out and it's just so impressive and you're like wow well, they've thought of so much stuff. Meanwhile, I can't even think of the fact that Linux Fest Northwest is coming up. I tell you what, I uh, I I don't know. I think I want to set up a bug tracker for the network and just get people to submit bugs so that way I can stop thinking about that stuff too and then divvy out the stuff. All right, so uh, that was our, our last bit of feedback coming up. Uh, do any, anybody want to touch on the Python stuff before we move? I'm not trying to hog the mic because there's nobody speaking up.
1: I think it's because you really wanted to write Rails, but I'll leave it there.
0: Oh. I wonder if you're right. You, you might be right.
1: I think it's true. I you, mean, you were all on board with Ruby, and your mind got changed, but that's that's probably not a fun conversation.
0: oh, uh, yeah. You might be right, though. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean... Maybe the shifting, I think just the shifting of gears. Yeah. Uh, that just threw off the, the momentum. And then it's like, well, now, now there's all the other stuff that came up. Yeah, you're probably right. That hurts. That cuts deep. It cuts deep. I got a little lemon in my water today. It's Ooh. nice. Hey, uh, so. do you want to talk about uh, this? Uh, I, I don't, I'm not really familiar with this uh, development stuff, you know, these, this coding. But I hear there's this source that you can open up, and uh, Microsoft just keeps on doing it. And uh, this week, they've open-sourced the Microsoft Build Engine, the build platform for .NET and Visual Studio. Is this a big deal to you, Mike?
1: Yeah, the fact that they're open-sourcing anything is a big deal, right? I mean, if we rewind to the 90s, it's kind of a huge change. I'm not sure that each individual component's going to matter. Um, having said that, having MS Build be open-source and potentially work cross-platform is going to be great, certainly if you're a Xamarin developer, you know, all this open sourcing is only good for you.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the, the reason being right, Xamarin doesn't have to blindly re-implement things. They can actually go ahead and start working with the open source version. Why, I wonder, you know, we had a conversation a couple months back about, like, why is Microsoft doing this? And I, I don't, other than amazing PR advantages, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, unless the mumble room has something, but I do have an awesome segue
0: uh, Mumborum, anything on the topic of Microsoft? Uh, why Why is Microsoft doing this? Why are they open sourcing these components? It's a trap. What do you think, PT?
3: I think they're just losing. And with as mm-hmm. many people that are swapping from Windows to whatever other platform, whether it be Linux, Mac, or or else comes out next, it's a chance for them to still exist in all these spaces.
1: Hmm. Maybe it's a co- cost-saving um method as they've cut so many jobs getting rid of all of that uh maintenance of old libraries and stuff that isn't really I actually front end
0: i actually get the impression they're going to continue working on it i don't think they're really dialing back too much i mean maybe they are a little bit i don't know but it sounds like in their statements they're going to continue to develop it interesting what do you think mike
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they're actually not developing it anymore. I I do wonder, though, if there isn't a cost uh, cost part of this. Having said that, most of their layoffs were the Nokia employees they acquired, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of their, you know, I don't want to say low level, but non development personnel, right? A lot of the manufacturing, a lot of the overseas stuff. Uh, I, I wonder if there's not a a kind of conversation that's happening about maybe trying to win the hearts and minds of developers. I know I sound like Dick Cheney right now. That's okay.
0: Maybe, though, because, you know, they've got to be noticing all those MacBooks, right?
1: That's what I'm thinking. I mean, how many, how many reporters go to a Microsoft conference with their little Apple logos glowing in the darkness, right?
0: And uh, what do you usually do on your Mac? You uh, load up a lot of open source tool sets. You open up, you know, a lot of, I mean, not always. Sometimes a lot of people are using Apple stuff, but a lot of people are using Macs to develop Ruby apps or
1: Right, you Python. Know, Pyth, yeah, a lot. No JS, yeah, a so, lot. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly more open source developers, I'd imagine, using Mac than actual Cocoa developers. Um,
0: hmm, that's I don't know. Sense. I mean, let's
1: me let me, let's, let's ask the mumble room. Does it being open source um, make it more attractive to you, any of the Microsoft stuff, or no? Yes,
4: of course yes. very.
1: Really? So, so maybe that's a reason in itself, right? Because it's, it's, Yeah.
4: I wouldn't use Microsoft software, anything that, that they offer. I would always use something that's open. So open source is the best way to go, I think.
1: Hmm. Okay. Now, is that a, is that out of uh, security concern, cost concern, both? Yes. yes. Yeah.
4: Both. I would say both.
1: Okay. So, I'm, I mean, there have been a lot of questions, uh, Chris, in the chat room about you know Microsoft being in the back pocket of the federal government, right? Certainly open source, particularly in China, I mean this might be a little tinfoil hat, but certainly open sourcing their tooling might put some Chinese ministers at ease with buying Microsoft.
0: Interesting. And And you know, isn't this an interesting way to allow them to audit the code without actually allowing them to audit the code? So uh, do you remember that uh, uh, two weeks ago there was headlines that Apple will be signing a contract with the Chinese government to allow them to audit parts of iOS and OS X source code?
1: That's absolutely true,
0: and that got a lot of like, "What the hell? What the hell are you letting the Chinese peek in? What the hell?" You know, a lot of responses like that. Here, this way, same thing happens, but it's open source, so they didn't technically like set up an agreement and do it, huh? I, I, though they have done that for Windows source code in the past. It could be a, so. You, you know, this is interesting. There could be several, you know what, like all things I always think when when you really break it down, Microsoft never really has one or two reasons they do something. They have like four or five semi-rational reasons that you can tell a committee kind of came up with. Like That's the same way they do Windows. Like You start breaking it down, you're like, oh, I could see how one interest group pushed this agenda, another interest group, and then what you get is sort of an average of everything. So this is where we're at. So .NET open sourcing this takes some of the burden off of Microsoft, some of the innovation burden. Let's put it that way. It means less innovation has to come out of Redmond in .NET. It means that uh, those... uh, 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 a MacBook Toten or a Linux totem, uh open source enthusiast that only want to use an open source tool set uh, or, or uh, whatever, have that available to them. And those governments you know, that are concerned about spying can do the auditing. It's, it, these are these are three or four really solid reasons for Microsoft to right, do. This. And they're
1: all, they're all very good reasons. And you know, I I know probably uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I don't know how many people in the mumble room do follow kind of the .NET community for the last two years or maybe even three years. They have been kind of trending that way. A lot more acceptance of open source, a lot more interest. I mean, they're granted they keep cloning things that already exist in Rails, so you know. Yeah. But maybe maybe it's just time, right? Maybe this is one of those things that was just bound to happen, but it just—I mean, I for me, this doesn't make me want to use it anymore or any less. uh,
0: What? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I think it's always super important that the infrastructure stuff be as open as possible. So I'm, I, I but I would really like to see one of their celebrity products. That would be really fascinating. Not that .net isn't, but something, something bigger. It would be really interesting to see. Uh, API. Did you have something you wanted to add to that before we moved on? I I no. Okay. I thought it's I Okay. Right. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll have a link to uh, the uh, Microsoft Build Engine on GitHub. <laughs> That's, that's right. That's kind of weird to say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a little freaky. I think okay, that's the so first time
0: so I've ever said that out loud.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of a strange thing. So, Chris, I, I, you know, I heard about this thing, the Linux Fest Northwest Conference. Yes, sir. Now, you know, I was going to fly there in my Sputnik.
0: Of course, right, as you would. And you're not taking I, the Tesla because of, the, cause of the, the, the distance.
1: Yeah, and I just can't afford a Mercedes, so, yeah. you know. W- what is this I hear about a new Sputnik? And I'm wondering if our, our gray-bearded chat room or, or mumble room has any recommendations, any interest on this. And I would ah. also ask how many of the developers in the Mumble Room are using Linux for their dev machine? And I'd go further. What are you developing? What platform? And what version of Linux are you right, running?
0: This. We'll go down the list. Let's do this. Right, All right down the list. So, and you know, I just got the, uh, the new XPS 13. So I could talk right. about that a little bit too. Now that is not a Sputnik though. That's no, it is, a, yeah, it is not. Yeah. But they do have a Sputnik version of it in the works. My friend in the works. In the works. So uh, before we jump into all of that, let's thank DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com. dot com, and remember we have a little bit of love you can share and get yourself a discount. I just recharged my DigitalOcean account today. I love that about it. That's one of the I think one of the best parts about DigitalOcean is it's super easy to just sort of schedule your uh, payments or fund the account, which is also very nice because I just have a couple extra dollars in my Steam PayPal account. I'll just sometimes throw it in my DigitalOcean account. But we have something even better for you. You can use the promo code CODERDIGITAL and you'll get a $10 credit. CODERDIGITAL means a $10 credit and that means you can try out some of their rigs for two months for absolutely free. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's pretty exciting. So they are a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your cloud server. And you get started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans start at only $5 a month, right? So boom! We got the $10 credit. You're going to try out the $5 rig too months for free. You're going to get a five, 512 megabytes of RAM on that bad boy, 20 gigabyte SSD, solid state, one CPU, and a terabyte. A terabyte. A terabyte of transfer for $5 a month. And They data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. And that interface is so awesome on DigitalOcean. And I know, I know, you're like, Chris, what does it matter how it looks? It matters completely how it looks, because here's why. I'm sitting here, and Rekai comes in, and he says, hey, Chris? I say, yes, Rekai. He says, we need to set up a new server. I say, for the love of God, Rikai, another server? Why do you got to write so much Ruby scripts? And he says, Chris, you want things done around here? And I say, yeah. Then you got to let me do this. I say, okay, I trust in the beard, so I go spin up a Madraba. But you know why I don't have issues with it? You know why? That's all it takes because DigitalOcean's interface is so friction-free. And I think that's not the best term in the world, but it actually applies here. It is a friction-free experience. I can get going. I can get a machine set up. I can restore from a snapshot. I can clone. I I tell you what, one-click application installs. I'm all about that up in this business. You have to go try out the interface. If you do nothing else with our promo code use their interface to spin up a server log into that server and update the packages and tell me you didn't just blow your face off because it, it'll totally blow your face off I, but in a good way not like the kind where you die because you want to keep using DigitalOcean, and spin up more droplets you can be like my co-host Noah he's got some crazy amount of droplets they had to extend to his account you'd be like Mr. Dominic you'd be setting up infrastructure all up in here for your clients using DigitalOcean. I'm using it for my back end infrastructure for the things we do here like own cloud and BitTorrent sync and all kinds of things I don't even want to tell you about on air because you know what I mean So go over to DigitalOcean, use the promo code CODERDIGITAL when you check out, boom, CODERDIGITAL, going to give you a $10 credit, try out that $5 rig, two months for free, CODERDIGITAL. Go over to DigitalOcean.com, and a huge thank you to DigitalOcean for rocking the CODER radio support. You guys rock, your tutorials rock, your one-click applications rock, and that API where I can do all my straightforward integration, that rocks as well, and there's a ton of great community apps around that. Go see why it's such an excellent package. They brought it all together. I'd say it's the trifecta, but they have more than three things that are awesome. I don't know what five or six things that is awesome, like the six FECTA, but that doesn't sound as good, but that's what they got going on. DigitalOcean.com, coder digital, $10 credit. That's nuts. That's nuts. I can't even... Server stuff has gotten so much cooler since I stopped doing IT. So much cooler. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about my my XPS 13. So I bought my XPS 13. I had to replace the wireless card, but I was really curious to see how Linux did with 4K displays. Uh, Really high resolution, high DPI stuff. In short, mm, okay. Definitely has some work to do, but you use the right apps, it's not so bad. Uh, and so I, I would say that these, these 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 class of laptops now have gotten to the point where they've got enough horsepower. You could definitely do some mobile development work. Uh, so why don't we start in the mumble room and ask what your guys' rigs are? Anybody uh, that doesn't have a Linux rig, that's fine. You can just you can call that out too. But API will start with you. What's your daily work rig?
4: Go. Cool. Oh, okay, I'm here. Mm. So, my daily work rig would be at my workplace, and uh, I use a dual monitor setup, uh, Linux Ubuntu 12.04, 4 gigs of RAM, 500 disk space, EXT4, and uh, awesome window manager. That would be for the me. It- Very nice, very nice. Yeah.
0: Uh, Bentley.
4: At, oh, oh, oh go ahead API. Finish. I'm, oh, I'm sorry uh, at home I would use a triple monitor setup Ooh. Uh, with yeah AMD X25 5600 uh, 5, old AMD model I recently updated to Debian 8 Xerox uh, helped me out a little bit just advising me what to do I had a Ubuntu 10.10 that old version that's already outdated uh, two disks, 500 gigs, uh, TV cards. Oh. Se- yeah, satellite. Uh, this is I like an operations ha-
0: control. You're like monitoring the live feeds.
4: Yeah, I got uh, two Hackintosh machines, one server, uh, one more rig, uh, older one, also Linux. So I got about s- seven LCDs, seven seven monitors on my table so <laughs> including all the laptops
0: nice. in general yeah. Damn. Yeah, that, that is a setup uh, I, yeah. I, I would say control center something like that Yeah, like it sounds, like, it sounds like NASA mission control Bentley did you uh, want to share uh, your daily setup with us uh, yeah sure I can't really beat that I just have my Lenovo X240 um, with the i5 low voltage processor has two batteries so I get like five hours of battery life Um, and I have two SSDs in RAID 0, because I can. Um, And then, I'm at university, so about half the time, I'm at my desk with my big external monitor, and the other half the time, I'm just at random places around campus, wherever's most convenient. And for the software, I have Arch Linux with i3 Window Manager, and I use it for um, a lot of
1: Python development, and I'm working on Learning C right now.
0: Very good. I like that. That's a good setup. And uh, Mr. PT, Dave, do you want to share your setup with us?
3: Uh, well, at work, i got a uh, HP desktop with dual my screen setup. And at home, I've got a Dell XPS 17 with dual boot windows and Ubuntu. Um, and then everything else is just uh, DigitalOcean droplets to yeah. testing
0: Nice. Very good. You know, Mr. Dominic, what jumps out of me uh, through that rundown there? Nobody has, like, a blessed, like, Linux development machine. They were running Linux, but none of them are, like, a Sputnik edition or a, or a Bonobo. They, they were all just kind of, you know, whatever they wanted. Yeah,
1: that's what I wanted to ask So is anybody, you know, I'm wondering how well are these kind of, like, System76, Sputnik editions
3: doing? I'm going Go ahead. I tend to buy one here as my next machine, just as a strict development uh, PC. Yeah,
0: but. I have a theory. I have my theory is uh, it takes you a couple of machines before you realize, you know what, next time I'm going to buy one just for Linux. Because, like, the first time you do it, like, I might do this Linux thing. And then, like, the Linux thing works for you, and you're like, but I really like this rig, and you try it. And it's it's almost perfect, but it's like my current XPS 13 where there's just enough little things where, like, I don't consider it a good product because not everything works well enough. So I would, like, that next time, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to get a laptop that's really meant to run Linux. And then you finally kind of, I think, break down and be like, I'm going to do it. And so I think these products take a little while to take off because the replacement cycle keeps getting longer and longer in these laptops. My theory. I don't know. But I I tell you, Mr. Dominic, I notice a big difference.
1: Interesting. Now, the reason I ask, Chris, is, you know, I may be attending an event, uh, mm. where I, th- I think my little silver MacBook would get chopped up into little pieces. <laughs> uh, somewhere in the northwest. And I'm possibly looking into perhaps I- – I've been toying with the System76, uh, the matte screen one forever.
0: Not the uh, new uh, MacBook with the USB-C connector, huh?
1: <laughs> I don't, even, don't even get me started on that. I, that's just such a bad idea. Let, let's pay more for less every time.
0: And you want something light and small?
1: I don't care that much. Because there's that new
0: Dell to... Precision m eight hundred And also, System76 is about to launch a new like $500 uh, laptop in a couple of days.
1: Interesting. That might be interesting. Yeah. So what is the deal with uh, I'm Seinfeld? I mean, is there any value in just not going to Best Buy and making sure it has the right chipset and just buying a laptop there or buying a normal Dell and just slapping Linux on it? I mean, what what are all the hip Linux people doing today?
0: Well, like, I tried that with my XPS, and what I ran into was Dell put some sort of wonky Dell-branded Broadcom wireless in there that I probably could have got working if I wanted to fiddle with it, but I want to be able to just nuke and pave my distro whenever I want and don't want to have to fiddle with wireless every single time, so I just replaced the wireless chip. Uh, So that was, I feel, like the tax I had to pay. By sure. just going off and buying a random machine is that – and also, um, uh, you know, I don't – I still I still feel like the wireless is a little glitchy sometimes. I don't know quite what it is. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because I got such a high-end Intel newer kind of wireless card or, or what. But
1: uh, Now, what about Ubuntu Mate? Can I get Mate pre-installed or just – I mean, no. I don't want to do any work, Chris. I, I, I've no. been using Macs for years no, now. No,
0: usually when they ship Ubuntu, they're going to ship them with Unity uh, by default. <sighs> but, you know, the Mate installation is pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know. Yeah. yeah, I know it is difficult. That's uh, and I see. I think I I, I, want, I want I'm back to wanting light and small. Uh, really. I've had, well, I've had the Bonobo for like three years, and that's like as big and heavy as you can get. So now, of course, I'm. I'm teeter-tottering all the way to the other extreme, and now I've got the XPS 13, which is like two pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, so because the thing I've been thinking about is my tool chain, other than Xcode, is totally not dependent on actually running Mac, right? Right, yeah.
0: That's m- yeah. me too. My, basically, yeah. 95% of my workload doesn't require, well, 90%, and then there's like 10% Final Cut or something that has to do with some Apple codec that I just need a Mac somewhere. So I got the XPS as like my daily commuter. And then I have a Mac that's available in the studio for that other small percent where I need to jump on there and do something. And that thing does other stuff, too. So it's, it kind of works out. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The battery life is, you know, so it's interesting buying, uh, like, a Dell where they just are apparently – they just lie?
1: I guess – Yeah. So that's the other that, – keeps holding me back. One, I don't want to spend a ton of money. Two – I, I kind of hate PC manufacturers, yeah. especially when it comes to laptops. Yeah, like not I know this is not a particularly Apple loving crowd, but at least Apple tells you the truth. Yeah,
0: yeah. If they the say you're going to get eight hours of battery life, you'll you know if you use Safari and turn the screen brightness to seventy five percent, you will. Right,
1: generally get it.
0: Yeah, like, I was told I would get fifteen hours of battery life. I get six or seven hours of battery life. That's a huge difference. And that I even tried it before I formatted Windows. I even tried it under Windows for a couple of times just to see what it would do, and it was the same exact thing under Windows
1: interesting
0: yeah not 15 hours 15 hours is my butt i don't know how they can put 15 hours on their website that's ridiculous and it's that kind of crap that i hate like and or you got and then you got lenovo that's installing Superfish and you know putting uh, all yeah. that junk on there and
1: well that, well, that's a feature though chris i mean yeah, right yeah we want that apparently
0: uh pt if you're gonna buy a laptop today what direction would you go
3: um, well, I'm going to buy. or I intend to buy one of those System 76, something that has a really strong battery life. Yeah. Um, just because I'm sick and tired of having a huge laptop lugging around, and it's it's really just going to come down to everything that I'm writing in go lately. I can do on any platform. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm. You know, I'm looking over on System 76's uh, Google Plus page right now because they 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 teased. Oh yeah, so they're going to call it the new Lemur. It's 14-inch laptop starting at 5.99, coming early April. That seems pretty good. It's going to have a see. Uh, it's it's going to have a 14.4-inch screen. Oh, this is the killer for me though. 1366 by 768 display won't work for me. Mm. Four pounds isn't too bad though. Nine hours of battery life isn't bad. They say when they pushed it hard, they got six hours. So that's not bad. Now, with so screen brightness up and all that, they got six hours. But again, you're going you're going for a budget. This is a budget machine here, right? And if you're just getting something for travel, that maybe the screen resolution doesn't matter. For me, I think 1080p is kind of my sweet spot, especially on a 14 inch screen. They do have the Ultra Pro. That has right. The,
1: the, I'm looking at the the Galago Ultra Pro. You know, I keep coming back to this machine, but it starts at 1049. So that's that's not cheap, right? You're I don't know. No. I don't know, Chris. I'm not sold.
0: Yeah, it's a tough call. It is a tough so, call. What about a Chromebook?
1: So the issue is I'm going to be there all weekend, and I, I, wonder, uh, I wonder if anybody in the mumble room has this. You know, I'm going to be there from Friday to, what is it, Monday morning or whatever, and I'm, trying to, I'm obviously going to have to work some in the evenings. And I'm not sure I want to throw my MacBook Pro in the bag just because it is my main and only machine right now. And if something were to happen to it, I would be screwed. Yeah, I know how that feels. So, I mean, not, not that everything's not backed up, but that, that's a whole... First even, of all, buying a Mac is, yeah. it, you know, replacing yeah. it's a, not a cheap proposition. Yeah, even,
0: and even if you had to wait a few days, it's no good. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, what could you not do
1: on a Chromebook, really?
0: Have you seen the new 15-inch Acer Chromebook?
1: Yeah, but I'm not buying a Chromebook. And that's yeah. just madness.
0: I'm just saying, it's 349 you get an i5 processor, or I'm sorry, I think it's an i4 processor, IPS display, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 32 gigabyte SSD, 15-inch screen. For
1: $349. Uh, you can't do dev on it, though. I mean... Mm. Yeah, you can. What are you going to do? Uh, what are you talking about, like a dot .cloud IDE deal?
2: Maybe.
0: You could also Crouton, use Crouton and put Ubuntu on there, I suppose. Well,
1: but, that's uh, true. I don't know how well that works. Has anybody done that?
0: I don't know about this particular model, but Crouton works well,
1: yeah.
3: One of the things I've been looking at for my uh, computer science class that I teach is a cloud platform for them to develop C++ or Java on. And... uh, one of the things that they haven't quite gotten right is the make files uh, for like C plus for a complete noob uh, to try to teach that it's just going to be impossible. But like, uh, I was testing out Cloud Envy today, and that was working pretty well. Uh, using Docker containers and everything to get hmm. things together.
0: You know, they say here too that it's big enough, uh, it's strong enough to handle a fall. Durable surface provides premium feel, and uh, they have an anti glare display. Doesn't strain the eyes. And you know what else you get? Long hours of battery life with it.
1: So that might be good. I'm, I'm checking out, uh, what's it, Code Envy, you said? Yep. So how what uh what exactly are you, I mean, I know it's for a class, but what are we talking about here? Like, just C++, or what, what can you do in there?
3: Uh, well, I tested out the C++ today. Uh, obviously, you're not going to get anything visual out of it. But if you're building right. some kind of end out of it, you could... Uh, you could do Golang or web development in there because probably next year and then teaching C++ for an in, an intro class, which is terrible, <laughs> might go with Python or something a little more easy.
0: like it. I like that. I like Python. That's my, that's my new favorite language. It's my favorite language.
1: This might be interesting. So this might be a 300 buck Chromebook yeah, plus this. And, and honestly, it, it, right. it isn't
0: that tough to put Linux on there either. You might not want You might not feel motivated right away, but after a couple of months – You could throw it on there. Could be kind of cool, dude. I'm just saying, just saying, it might be something to think about. Hey, before we run, I noticed you put a note in the doc about the Ubuntu Software Center, and this is this is a this is a point of great sadness for me, as you know.
1: You buried the lead. All right. What do you think? Uh, Where we at, Dominic? Where we at? Well, let's ask the mumble room first, because I think I'm going to be a little, uh, yeah.
0: Mumble room. Any thoughts on the current state of the Ubuntu Software Center? No, I, no, 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 pi- no, no opinion. Nobody uses
1: it in the mumble room, do they? No, I don't. I don't think anybody no. cares. Synaptic yeah. is my way. Synaptic, yeah.
4: Just apt-get synaptic command line, and that's it. I yeah. never use. I never use Software Center before. Practically, so just never. The re-
1: yeah, the reason I checked the notes was I. I just kind of took a gander at it the other week on a, on a linux machine i had spare just a crappy little macbook mini i threw a rather mac mini that i had ubuntu on it is looking like a wasteland i mean what it's looking a question but go ahead
4: okay mike yes Since you were talking about april and Apple and so did you ever try to build a hackintosh maybe
1: yeah so i have much, actually it's never... much cheaper
4: it's much cheaper
1: Yeah, I have never actually tried that. Um, Part of the reason I'm interested in in perhaps getting a Linux machine, a a real Linux machine, is that I'm not super in love with the Mac as a workstation anymore. Uh, If it weren't for doing Cocoa development, I probably wouldn't be using it. Is it uh,
0: Yosemite that did it for you? What did it for you?
1: Yeah, Yosemite was was kind of a bridge too far. I, I don't like the UI. It's very childlike to me.
0: And the performance is not so good.
1: I, you know I'm having some before, i mean i I've, I've read the the posts that people are posting about the performance issues I, I, I just, haven't seen anything I, that dramatic, yeah. but I have seen little, little sputtering here and there yeah yeah
0: I just yeah I think some of the extra transparency sort of slows down. I mean my
1: compile times increase quite a lot, <laughs> so that's not good hmm. considering I'm compiling what are basically relatively small mobile apps right right I mean everything's on the server basically they're they're dumb clients um, i. Yeah, but to answer your question, I I don't know what the allure is for me. I used to be a Linux user, but it was so long ago that I would be I would basically be a noob if I opened it up again uh, for any serious length of time. I just feel like you know, despite what I say, sometimes I do think things are going in, in a web direction. Yeah, there's that too. You could just do that.
0: So uh, I I agree and I think the the, uh, the and unfortunately what we what we got wrong was thinking that the Ubuntu Software Center was ever going to be a solution. I think that was always the wrong bet. Uh, and looking back at it now, uh, I'm starting to see maybe what the right bets are. So there's a couple of things underway that have me kind of excited. Uh, one that I just installed on my Arch box here. In fact, I don't think I've ever run this on Arch before. It's called GNOME Software Center. And uh, this is an initiative by the GNOME software project to make a universal app store across all distributions. It uses uh, some underlying technology called Package Kit that allows it to use whatever the native package manager is on that distribution. And GNOME Software Center sits on top of that. Uh, and so they, it's very early days, but they've already begun. Like Gary, here's uh, Gary in the GNOME Software Center. Oh, of course, it's not apparently working very well with my theme. Uh, and it, it, you know, it's. It. I actually find it to be when it's working correctly, the discovery, of the, the the. It's it's easier to use than the Ubuntu Software Center. Uh, so that's one way that might take off. Right now it's only free stuff. But I've, I'm also still a big believer that something like Steam could start selling commercial Linux applications relatively quickly and become a pretty easy way, and they could use that same Steam runtime that they use for game manufacturers. Developers could depend on that as well, and then you also solve the distro portability issue at the same time. And I think Valve's going to do that at some point. I just don't think it's on the top of their list right now. Uh, So, I mean, they already have some games in there. I know, I should use Numix Frost. I really need to switch back my themes. You're right. You're right, I'm a con. You're right. So, I think maybe why it seems kind of like a lost thing was because we we bet on the wrong horse. Mm
1: -hmm. I know it hurts. It does hurt.
0: It does. It does hurt because, you know, you really wanted an easy way to be able to make something for that platform and have an obvious entrance to, to, you know, return, and an obvious way to get your return on investment. I mean... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why does that leave us but a little sad? Just a little bit. Always?
0: Just a little bit. But uh, here, okay, so I'm changing. Uh, oh, I don't like my icons. Hold on. I got to go back to, uh, let's go to Numix Square. Yeah. All right, so I've, I've changed my theme. We'll see if I can now launch the software center so you can see it. Yeah, okay. All right, so we'll see how this looks. So now I'll go into Geary. Yeah, and so here's the Geary screen. And this one doesn't have any screenshots, but some of them do. Here's all the information. I can install it right from here. Here's uh, Stellarium. Again, it's, it's simple, but it's very fast. Uh, and uh, they have it filled out with uh, actually decent applications, and it works across different distros. You know, you can use this on Ubuntu. You could use this on Fedora or Arch. So they'll get there, Mr. Dominic. They're going to get there. Just don't you worry about it. And and Ubuntu will take another another run, I think, at the software center uh, in the future. I don't, I don't think they're done, but I think they're just waiting for their whole mobile platform to kind of yeah. sort itself out. Uh, anybody... Uh, Corky, you haven't really had a chance to comment in on this section very much any or anybody have any thoughts on uh, selling software through some kind of store on Linux and what might be the eventual successful way to do it? No, okay. I know it's it, a complicated there, question.
3: Yeah. Isn't there already enough software that's just not even a video game on the Steam? I've seen a lot of people in the chat room talking.
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's more and more, huh?
3: So, it just seems like that's it, if you're going to bet on a, a store why not just on the the steam store
0: yeah steam will do it and then the free stuff will go through like the gnome software center and stuff like that or or things like it the the qt equivalent or, or whatever and some distros will just opt to maintain their own like deep in ubuntu i think uh, all right Good stuff. Well, and you know what? Next next time we do a Mumble, too, thanks to API and Bentley and Corky and PT for stopping by and uh, uh, Rotten Corpse also for popping in from time to time and Spartacus who's up in there in the joint queue as we're about to leave and a few others who stopped in during the show and left. It was good to talk to you. And next time, we'll try to get better about making a little pre-announcement. It was fun to have a little extra uh, input, though, from the Mumble room, so thanks for joining us. Mr. Dominic, is there is there anything Thank else you. we want to touch on today?
1: No, I think we're good today. Good uh, again. My face,
0: yeah. Why not?
1: We could touch my face. That oh, would be good. It's just your face, your face.
0: Well, face. I'm excited to see what happens in regards to uh, your quest to get a, a the perfect machine for Linux Fest Northwest. I'm sure nothing but success will come your way, uh, and I'm excited that uh, you're going to be at Linux Fest Northwest.
1: I think I am. I'm going to be there. Uh, black turtleneck and jeans. That's how I'm going.
0: A black turtleneck and jeans, but wait, people might think. I don't know if that's a good idea, Mr. Dominic, but we'll see if you survive. We'll see. Uh, we'd love to have you join us live. Go over to uh, jblive.tv on a Monday. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. Don't forget you can email us. Go over to the contact page on our website and choose Coder Radio from the drop down. Or go to our subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com. It's a great place to go. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send folks throughout the week?
1: Uh, just dominicm.com.
0: Dominicm.com sounds like a fine place. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chrislas. All right, everybody! Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Code Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.